Now we're recording. Bingo. <laughs> there we are. I always forget to actually hit the record button. It's all good. We, we got it now. I can see it in the corner. We're good. At least it's yeah. not like half an hour into the... <laughs> oh, that would not be good. It's half an hour into our conversation, but it's not half an hour into... <laughs> anyway, welcome to Restless Spirits. Welcome to Restless Spirits. I'm Taylor. <laughs> I'm Vin. How are you? Um, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. How was your week? Quiet. Lovely Good. and quiet. Good. How about you? Mine was not bad. Um, it was a little stressful. Okay. So I work in news, which I think we've talked about before. So I was expecting... Approximately once a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's my whole life. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, so it just in time-wise, timeline-wise, when we're recording this, the inauguration like just happened. So I was expecting a hectic week, but was sure. pleasantly surprised. Good. Good that it was well. actually pretty calm. I'm genuinely surprised it was calm. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I expected not that to be, I expected that not to be the case, but it, but, but it all turned out okay. So yay. Woo. <laughs> What's going on? What are we? Hi, yay, yay. We're exploring. Oh. That's what we're doing. What, what are we doing? Exploring. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I'm not going to do the sea shanty talk in this episode. No, no, we are post shanty. <laughs> uh, what city are we doing tonight, Ben? You were desperately trying to say what shanty are we doing, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> My brain is just in a space. What shanty are we performing today for our? Perform- <laughs> oh God, the shanty of San Antonio. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. How close is that to water? There's a river. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's the San Antonio River that runs right through it. Perfect. So, That's all you yeah. really need. Close enough. You can do things on that, piratey things, I'm sure. I suppose. I used to live in San Antonio, by the way. I We've talked about this. How long did you live there? Two years. That's like a pretty decent time, but you were like yeah. a bebe. Yeah, it was zero to two. It was the ages okay. of zero to two. So. <laughs> what do you like, before we get into it, like, do you remember anything about it or no, liking no. it or? No, not a thing. Okay. I have, we have been back. I had visited San Antonio. Actually, it was the same trip that we went when we went to New Orleans. We oh, flew to New Orleans, then okay. drove to San Antonio. Nice. It was a really long drive. Yeah, that sounds like a long drive. Yeah, it's it's rough flat. There's uh, nothing. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. There's not a whole lot uh, out there. No, no, there really isn't. Just sand. Yeah, just a lot of sand. Mm. Heat. Yeah. Cows, I'm assuming. Yes, one or two. One or two. Um, an armadillo, maybe a cactus. Yeah, tumbleweed. Is it that? Is it that part of Texas? I, I, Texas is huge. Yeah, I think like whatever part of Texas you want, like it's it's there somewhere. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. But San Antonio, we talked very briefly in the last episode about UT Austin, and yeah. San Antonio is home to UT. San Antonio, UTSA. Right. Yeah. It's the oldest municipality in Texas. So it was founded first as a Spanish mission. Right. For a guy named St. Anthony of Padua. Okay. Which, who was Portuguese, although I think Padua was in Italy, but 
What the hell do I know? Padua, isn't that in a Shakespeare play? I mean, I know it's a real place, but there's a, is it um, Taming there's of the Shrew? The yeah, yeah, Taming the Shrew, I think so. What well, dang, Pedro got around. Or yeah. Anthony got around. Why did I say Pedro? I, I thought tequila. Sure, Padua, Pedro, I see where. Mm. It was a bad mistake. Yeah. That's okay. It's home of the Alamo, so. So remember that. Remember it, don't forget. Don't forget, don't, remember the don't Alamo. Forget. I didn't write anything about the war of Texan independence and, you know, rejoining the United States, but we all, I think we all covered that in like seventh grade, so I can skip yeah, right past that. I was, so I was doing research for this episode, mm. um, and I, I won't give away what we're actually doing. I will just say that I started doing research and I was like, I could very easily do the Alamo. Yeah. But I chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> It is haunted, but I was like, I feel like that's really uh, obvious. So I did two things yeah. that are not obvious. That makes sense. I have been to the Alamo. I don't recall. I mean, I was in the middle you of the You don't remember afternoon. it? You don't no, remember I re- it? I do remember it. I, re- I remember okay. it. I don't recall if there was anything paranormal. Like, it was in the middle of the afternoon. It wasn't, you know. So I don't remember if they even said anything about, you know, ghost of Davy Crockett or whatever. Yeah. Wandering around here. But... I know they do boast their haunted history. And like, from what I read, it started pretty like immediately after the battle that like, what's his face? I can't think of his name. The Mexican general. Santa Ana. Right. The, the winds are named after. He was like, go burn it down. Ooh. And the men like got there and they saw what they called six Diablos, like mm-hmm. standing outside. That was like the ghost of the... Oh. Like, and they ran and they were like, no, sorry, not going to do it. They were ghosts. I vaguely remember a movie. I think Billy Bob Thornton was Davy yes. Crockett. Yes. Was he, was he Davy Crockett in that movie? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Came out like, God, early 2000s. It wasn't I remember it. Yeah. That was when Billy Bob Thornton was like doing movies. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he so. He hasn't been in anything in a while. No. He was married yeah, to Angelina Jolie. For a couple years. Yeah. I wonder if he still wears a vial of blood around his neck. I kind of hope Or not. did she wear his? One of them wore a vial of blood of the other's blood around their necks. That seems unnecessary. Yeah. Like, Agreed. I, just wear, I wear a wedding ring. Like, that'll do it. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> what else anyway, can you tell me about San Antonio? <laughs> <laughs> is Billy Bob Thornton from Texas? I feel like he is. I think you just think he's Sling Blade with, with the voice. <laughs> that is also very possible. Yeah. He also, in a movie uh, called Primary Colors, plays essentially James Carvel, mm. Raging Cajun. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite Billy Bob Thornton role, actually. I don't have a favorite. Because <laughs> I've just seen the album on Sling Blade. That's kind of it. He is from AR. Is that? Arkansas? Arizona? I can never remember. AZ is Arizona. AK is Alaska? AK is Alaska. AL is Alabama. It's got to be Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. He's from Arkansas. Okay. That's kind of close. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the Alamo. Named a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2015. It took till 2015? Yeah. That seems like a long time. 
See, I'm wondering if it's just because the U.S. is so comfortably new compared to other countries that they had a huge backlog of other stuff. Possibly. And then they just got around to checking up our shit and thought, oh, yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. yeah, sure, that could be that can be one. And then in 2017, it was named a UNESCO City of Creativity of Gastronomy. Ooh. Which sounds fancy. Does sound fancy indeed. There are only 26 of these cities in the world. I did not bother looking up what the other 25 were. I'm going to look that up. That's interesting. Not right now. I'll do it on my own time. But that sounds yeah. interesting. I, I assume it's because of Tex-Mex. Yeah. Yeah. In South Texas, San Antonio's got this kind of blend. Because of its history, it's got Mexican influence, Spanish influence, Texan. Like, it's just this kind of neat melting pot. So. Yeah. You're going to see that in my stories that I picked, actually, I think. Now, I have decided to look up the cities of gastronomy right now. <laughs> and I was like, I'll do it later. Ben was like, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to lie. I've heard of very few of these cities. Afyon Karahisar in Turkey. I'm so sorry. Turks. I know nothing about. I've been to Ephesus. That's the only place I've been in Turkey. I'm going to go down the list of see the ones I've heard of. Bergen, Norway. Sure. Chengdu, China. Okay. Hyderabad, yeah. Hyderabad, India. Macau. I've heard Panama of that. City. Yeah. Parma, Italy. Cool. Okay. For the cheese? I assume. And the ham. I, I, I bet. Oh, the ham too. Yeah. Yeah. Why the hell is Tucson on this list? I don't know. <laughs> That cracks me up more than anything else. <laughs> Tucson. Tucson. Maybe we should possibly... add Tucson to our list, Ben, of cities to cover. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to go to Tucson, so I don't But I can't imagine what the, what the cuisine in Tucson is besides leftover 7-Eleven. Like, I just... <laughs> I'm sorry to our, all of our Tucson listeners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give, them, um, give a shout out to Tucson. Linda Rostad is from Tucson. The Does singer? She, well, yeah. She, I don't know. What are the criteria? We're now just transitioning from a ghost podcast to a city to guest I mean, we were already there. We've talked <laughs> last week. Was it last week that we talked like about barbecue for like a whole half hour? Yeah, yeah, pretty I mean, much. That sounds right. And that yeah. sounds like me. Vibrant gastronomy community with numerous traditional restaurants or chefs, indigenous ingredients. Local know-how, traditional food markets. Tucson. Tucson. <laughs> no. Like I would have like grudgingly accepted Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what is your deal with Arizona? Why do you this... hate it? <laughs> no one. No one has ever thought I, w- I want a great meal. I'm going to Arizona. It's never right. happened. It's never once happened. Listeners, if you've had that thought, please write into us. Yes, please write and in. And tell us. We want to know your your Arizona stories. When I get slammed on Twitter later for this, yes. it's going to be extraordinary. I can't wait. Mm. What else about San Antonio? <laughs> this this episode's not about Tucson. We're clearly. back on Tucson. Okay, San Antonio. Now I'm, I'm going to launch you a thing about San Antonio restaurants, weirdly enough. But... <laughs> We're okay with San Antonio being on the city list, but not yes, Tucson. Yes. We did have a lot of Tex-Mex food when we were there, and it was delicious. So. I mean, I love Tex-Mex food. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm, I'm down for it. I had Tex-Mex tonight. How about that? 
I made you, tacos. You were pre-gaming. We had, shit, what did I make for dinner? Indian food. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds delicious. It was tasty. My tacos San Antonio. Good. Oh, good. I put pickled red onions on them. It was great. Good. Can yeah, I get on the list? This. Yeah, why not? Taylor's apartment. Just right at the bottom. Like, not even Richmond. Just Taylor's no, apartment. No, just my apartment. I mean, frankly, Tucson's made it on there. I mean, frankly, you're <laughs> correct. Look, I've got a crock pot and everything. You can. It's just right behind me, I realized. That's more than Tucson's got. That's true. Not destroyed. a single, not a <laughs> single crock pot in Tucson. <laughs> Maybe some Instapots, but not a crock pot. <laughs> not a crock pot. They won't stand for it. <laughs> okay, I'm adding Tucson to our list of cities, and we're oh, going to no. do it. <laughs> no. Yeah. God, the drink from Tucson's going to be. Ugh. We're not doing it. I'm putting this. it on the list. Why? Like, I don't. I don't know. Why do I? Just I don't like know any so ghosts much? there, but we're gonna do it. <laughs> they probably just died of hunger. Yeah. <laughs> so look at all these emaciated ghosts. There's no food here, <laughs> but it's on the list. <laughs> oh. oh. Can Good we talk Lord. more about San Antonio again? Fine. <laughs> so San Antonio has this big has the San Antonio River running right through it okay so one of the biggest attractions in the city is called the river walk and it's just okay. right right in the middle of the city right downtown along the banks of the san antonio river so they've actually built pedestrian walkways across the river and like lots of like bridges across it and it's this huge like arts district like the restaurants bars and they've linked it up with with attractions like theaters there's a brewery called the pearl the hemisphere park where they held oh. the 1968 World's Fair. Cool. And the added, I'm sure we got a little picture here of the uh, river walk, which will. It's very pretty. Post. Yeah, I really like it. It's beautiful. Got, yeah, it almost doesn't look real. Like it's really pretty. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. And then in the spring, they have a Fiesta San Antonio and they have flowery floats. Instead of a river or parade on land, they do it on the river. Oh, nice. I've never seen that, that, but I would love to. That's yeah. beautiful. It was built, the whole river walk was built in the 1920s. Oh, because there were nasty floods that killed like 50, 60 people in the early 20s. I saw that in my research. I was wondering if there would be something ghosty. Um, I didn't, none of my stories were about it, but I did mm-hmm. look at some other stories that, in, mm-hmm. that I did a lot of, weirdly with, with San Antonio, I usually have an idea of like what I want to do and I will mm-hmm. hunt down those stories. Um, and then other times I'll just type in like haunted San Antonio or like haunted Tucson and figure mm-hmm. out like what attract, like what comes up, you know, to sure. see like what's, and that's what I had to do with San Antonio. And so I clicked on like a lot of things and I was like, oh, that doesn't really interest me mm-hmm. or like, sure. okay, that's like a little haunted, but it's not mm-hmm. enough to like get me excited. So it was hard for me to find stories for this week. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, Riverwalk was built in the 20s. Well, built due to flooding in the 20s. It was built in the mid to late 30s with funding from the Works Progress Administration, the WPA, mm. one of the New Deal programs. Yep, yep. Yeah. I remember learning about that in school. Me too. Another attraction that was built with the WPA was the Artisan River Theater. 
it's, it's like an outdoor open air you know amphitheater style arena it's really neat. I kind of love places like that yeah they're really cool so yeah san antonio go spurs i've never been i i really didn't know much about san antonio outside of the alamo mm -hmm. um until tonight really I, I really don't know much about it as a city i know that there's a lot mm. of mexican and spanish influences i knew about the alamo that was kind of the extent of my knowledge it's not a particularly like there's nothing that i would think like that scream san antonio other than like the san antonio spurs but yeah that's kind of it like which I, which i think is part of why it's kind of as cool as it is it's yeah it reminds me of like what austin would have been if it hadn't gotten blown up yeah i think yeah. that's fair yeah mm. i didn't know i also didn't know it was like the oldest yeah in texas which is it's just it's yeah that kind of shared that, that history and kind of, it kind of giving Passed out is not the right word, but sort of switching territory so many times is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. What are we drinking, more importantly? We are drinking the Paloma. Now, Paloma. I picked this drink, Paloma. I picked this drink before doing any research on San Antonio. Okay. I just kind of thought, Paloma. My, and my thinking was, well, we've done, this will be our second Texas episode, and we have not done a tequila drink yet. This is true. And... I went to the, the one time I was in San Antonio, like one time I went back to visit, I should say. We went in August and it was just scorching hot. It was like mm -hmm. absolutely miserable. And I was thinking, if you're sitting on the river walk in the middle of the summer, this would be the perfect drink. It, it would be. It's very refreshing. Yeah. That's exactly why I picked it. And then I kind of discovered by accident more connections to Texas and to San Antonio as I was doing research on the drink. So... So how like is it connected? To, how's it connected to Texas, Ben? <laughs> okay. Well, it is actually, we're going to start in Mexico and then move to Texas. It's okay. the most popular cocktail, tequila cocktail in Mexico. You would think it would be the margarita, but margaritas are kind of exclusively a like Tijuana thing. Okay. So, you know, white girls like go to Arizona State who hop over for spring break and then back to Tucson. <laughs> Man! Man, I don't even know. I'm really sorry, Tucson. Tucson. I have no issues with you. You'll be allowed to go to Tucson. I'll just have a big sign with me saying no. <laughs> I choked. Hold on. <laughs> You've got to stop dissing Tucson for some reason. It's causing issues for me. <laughs> All right. an unfortunate victim. I am. Yeah. So right. legend states it was named after a popular folk song, La Paloma, or The Dove. It was composed in the 1860s. Okay. Apparently invented by Don Javier Delgada Corona. So okay. owner of the La Capilla Bar in the town of Tequila, very oh. appropriately named, in Jalisco, Mexico. And then a writer slash bartender named Evan Harrison wrote a pamphlet called Popular Cocktails of the Rio Grande. And included the Palomas. That's kind of how okay. it jumped over to the U.S. Okay. And as I was doing research, I learned ruby red grapefruits are like a huge crop in Texas. I did not know that. I, so have you ever had Shiner beer? Yeah. It's like a very Texas thing. 
Sure. Um, in the summer, they have a ruby red grapefruit beer oh. that is delightful. Neat. And so that's what I thought when I read this sentence. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I've had the like Shiner beer that's like ruby red flavored. Yeah, why not? So there's, you know, along with the tequila and sort of the history of it crossing over in the, the cocktails of the Rio Grande, now we've got grapefruits in Texas. So and I'm guessing like said, that there's grapefruit in the drink. There is grapefruit in the drink. Crazy. Yeah. And like I said earlier, it is the absolute perfect drink to be. Uh, chilling out by the river walk it's watching a boats go by. summery drink it is mm -hmm. it is happy january by the way happy january <laughs> i mean you know i will do anything to escape winter so if i can sit here and pretend it's the summer i'm oh. fine with that yeah tucson it's not an invitation okay that's the end of the tucson <laughs> i'm done now because if i trip and fall later and crack my head open I live alone, Ben. No one will find me for days. Well, now you know who to blame. <laughs> it's your fault. It's I me. will haunt your ass, and then you'll believe in ghosts. Great. Nothing <laughs> to blame Tucson for. <laughs> <laughs> we really have to discuss your like deep offline. Let's offline <laughs> about why you hate Tucson so much. We'll have to do that. <laughs> Did I read a book once that took place in Tucson? I don't Hold know. On. I think I have. Talk amongst yourselves, everyone. Um, you can talk. I'm just going to look this up real quick. Okay. Well, while Taylor's uh, looking that up, how to make a Paloma. What you going to need? Kosher salt. Some sort of citrus, like fruit. If you have a grapefruit, perfect. Two ounces of grapefruit juice, a tablespoon of lime juice, a teaspoon of simple syrup, two ounces of te tequila or mezcal. I would probably use tequila because you don't need the smokiness of mezcal. And then two ounces of club soda, or if you have like sparkling grapefruit juice, you can, you can go with that. Yes, I use club soda. And I use sparkling grapefruit juice. I actually think I maybe would have liked it better with the sparkling grapefruit. And if I make another one, I may use that. There you go. So to make, you're going to take a highball glass, rub the rim with the citrus, then dip the rim into a plate with kosher salt. So you're rubbing the glass. You're going to set that glass aside. And then in a separate glass, mix up your tequila, grapefruit juice, and lime juice, simple syrup or sugar. If you, they're kind of interchangeable in this recipe and club soda slash sparkling. Stir, but don't go, don't go too hard or you're gonna lose all the carbonation of the club soda. Back to your first class with the salt rim, add some ice, and then very carefully pour the drink in so you're not pouring it against the salt rim. Top with your citrus and enjoy. It's very good. I like this. I like I, it, I, I like it. Yeah, I've not had very many Palomas and I need to start incorporating them back in, into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. It was very easy to make too. Like, um, I spilled mine all over the place and I had to remake it, but it wasn't a super long process. It was pretty just, I mean, you don't even have to shake it. You just stir it. So just light stir. Um, yeah, it's good. I like it. It's pretty cool. I'm glad. It is a lovely color. 
It's a peachy, I mean, it's grapefruit. So it's like that kind of peachy. Right, right. When you make this, try and find like real, like pure grapefruit juice. Don't buy the Ocean Spray grapefruit juice cocktail that's got 17 different juices and corn syrup and whatever in it. Just Or yeah. just buy two or three grapefruits and just juice them. Yeah, I used, um, I went to a Wegmans and they had mm. grapefruit juice there just ready to go. Shout out to Wegmans. Shout out to Wegmans. Give us money. <laughs> they have enough of it. I mean, I'd settle for a Wegmans gift card. Oh, I, is that is that your go-to grocery store? I'm still an Aldi man. Oh, I'm not. Mm. And it's, it's strange because I have one very close to me that mm. I could walk to. But I still drive to Short Pump so I can go to Wegmans. You are a glutton for punishment. Or a Midlothian. Mm. Like, I'll go see my parents. That's not too bad. And then stop at Wegmans. I now mm. have a Publix very close to me, too. But I haven't quite, I haven't. I don't mind a Publix. Have I, have I talked about the like curse of being a Richmonder? I don't think so. When it comes to grocery stores? Okay. So if you're from Richmond, like me, and grew up in Richmond, you may have some sort of knowledge about this. If you haven't grown up in Richmond, uh, any person you talk to who's from Richmond will have this conversation with you. I'm sorry, we just will. Um, we grew up with a grocery store called Ucrops. And okay, I, I've heard this conversation. I, yeah. I, I know this is going. Okay. And it was the very best grocery store that ever was. And it had wonderful, um, it had wonderful prepared foods. It was clean. The people who checked you out also walked your groceries to the car and loaded it into your car for you. It was always clean. I, and when I talk about the prepared foods, I'm not joking. Like they are legit. Like we would go to Ucrops for dinner. Like they had an in-store cafe that we would go mm -hmm. to. <laughs> they didn't sell beer or wine and they weren't open on Sundays. Oh, good. There was that, but <laughs> <laughs> the cake, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've had a single birthday in my entire life that hasn't been a Ucrops cake. Like, Unless my aunt or my mom made a homemade cake, we had Ucrops. Like, and you can still get their food in places. And it's like owned by a like longtime Richmond family. It was Richmond based. Not very, there weren't many outside of central Virginia. Um, I think there was one like West, like one, I remember west of Charlottesville. Yeah. And, and I, I think there was, was there like one in Williamsburg. Okay. But I mean, you'll hear Richmonders talk about rainbow cookies. You'll hear Richmonders talk about the pound cake. You'll hear Richmond, and you can just buy like a loaf of pound cake. You also used to be able to just buy containers of their frosting. Like I am telling you, and now they've opened up a food hall in the West End that I've yet to been, go to because of the pandemic. But the minute I can go, I'm going because they're like fried chicken is out of this world. Like I, I miss you crops. So here's the, here's the curse is that I can go to any grocery store in the world. It closed. I, I, long story short, it closed. Like, I, I don't think I said that for those of you who don't know it closed. It's like, gone. 
it's gone. They no longer exist. The family is still around. The recipes are still around. A lot of grocery stores in Richmond still sell you crops, prepared foods. Like I said, they opened a food hall um, just recently. But I know that no grocery store I go to will ever be as good as you crops. Okay. And it's a bummer. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And like old, old Richmonders, like my, not, not that my parents are old, but like they grew up with you crops like their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And so my dad and my mom will just be like, yeah, I mean, we went to Publix. I I mean, I guess if I have to go somewhere. And my dad, my dad will be like, well, kind of reminded me of you crops. Like people speak very wistfully about this grocery store that no longer exists. That's too funny. It's yeah. We moved around enough. No, we moved around enough where we never developed a sort of affectation for something like that. That was so intensely local. So it's interesting that, because, and there aren't too many stores like that anywhere anymore. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, I know, like, there are a couple of things in Richmond that are, like, Richmond. Like, Duke's Mayonnaise is, like, a Richmond thing. Um, the, the company that owns, used to own Duke's was a Richmond-based company. Mm. Um, and they made it here in Richmond. So, like, many Richmonders don't use any other U crops. I know when my friend moved to Boston, she, like, had her parents send her care packages with Duke's mayonnaise and U crops food. Hey. It's just, like, it's a thing. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But, yeah. All that to say, I went to Wegmans today, and they had grapefruit juice. There you go. <laughs> And I went the complete opposite, and I ordered grapefruit juice on Amazon. Okay. Like I went, Does that mean it was actually Whole Foods? Is that how no. that works? No, they, they, you can do that if you want it, or you can get like Amazon Fresh, which is like somewhere in the warehouse. Amazon's just got a fridge. <laughs> and okay. They've got stuff in there. There you go. And because the Kroger by me didn't have grapefruit juice this morning. Oh, okay. Moving on, should we talk about ghosts? <laughs> yes. Tell me about ghosts. Okay, I have two stories this week. I'm really super excited about one, and the other one I'm just kind of mad about. But it's still an interesting story, so we're going to do that one first, and then I'm going to do the one I'm really excited about. <laughs> I'm not not excited. Like, okay, here's the thing. This story is interesting. It also gives me a chance to rant about ghost adventures, which we know I love to do because I hate Zach Bateman. Here we go. Here we yep. go. So we're going to talk about Victoria's Black Swan Inn. Black Swan Inn. Yes, sir. Interesting. Yes. So the building itself was built in 1867 as a dairy plantation and creamery, but obviously... The, the world is old. And so the land itself has a much longer history from about 5,000 BCE to 1,000 CE. So like a long time. This is a, this is the oldest story. Yeah. This might be our oldest story. I think the other one that was really old was the angel tree. Was it not the angel tree? Oh. In uh, Charlotte. Oh, right, right, right. It oh, was no. A couple, it was, a couple. was it Charlotte or was it? 
the tree? <laughs> Do you remember when I talked about the big tree? I remember when we that was only a couple hundred years, I think. Yeah. So yeah, this is old. Mm -hmm. But from, from 5,000 BCE to 1,000 CE, the land was home to Native American encampments. Um, and archaeologists have found a bunch of artifacts on the land, on the property. And they believe that like a sweat lodge was there. Okay. They also think there's a, it's very likely that there is like a burial ground. Oh, great. So that's something. Fast forwarding quite a bit into the future. Um, in 1842, the land was the site of the Battle of Salado. Salado. There, a group of Texas militiamen had to defend the land from an invading Mexican army. They were trying to maintain their control over the land. Okay. In that battle, 40 Mexican soldiers died and only one Texas soldier died. Well, dang. Yeah. And like... I was reading and like the, the bodies were just kind of left there. <laughs> no one really came to do anything with them. So they like, just... no, the Mexicans didn't come back either. They just left mm -hmm. their own folks there. Yeah. They just kind of laid there for a while. Well, that's great. Good for yeah. them. <laughs> um, it's not great. It's not great when you consider like hauntings that if like a bunch of dead bodies were just left there for a while with no kind of proper burial, <laughs> Have they ever considered that's how they get the, that's how you get Diablos? Yeah, exactly. So the original owners of the dairy were Heinrich and Marie Mahler. They were German immigrants, and they were the ones who actually built the home and the dairy. After the Mahlers, the house and the land passed down like several times. Um, the next major family that owned it. I mean, like lots of people owned it in between, but I'm just picking right. out where like things happened. Cause like, if you think about it, people live in houses. They do. Like, not any, I, sometimes stuff happens. Sometimes it doesn't. So the next time that like stuff happened was in the 1950s. Um, an attorney by the name of Hall Park Street Jr. His name is just a bun bunch of nouns. Yeah. That's a very Monopoly name. Yeah, it really is. Um, but he, he went by Park. Okay. He lived there. His wife, Jolene, yes, her name was Jolene. Go on. Yep. Go on and say um, <laughs> She actually inherited the house from her mother. Um, but in 1959, uh, Jolene was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she died at the age of 38. And in 1965, Park is said to have hanged himself by uh, with a necktie oh. in the home. But his death, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about his death for a second because it was ruled a suicide, but there's like a lot of contention about that. And like people are not certain that that's the case because his hands were bound. Like when his body mm. was found, his hands were bound. Okay. It is hard to hang yourself if your hands are bound. Yeah, fair enough. And he was also hanging from a really high height, and they don't know how he would have gotten up there by himself. Gotcha. So there are a couple of theories um, about what actually may have happened to him. One of the theories is that he had, and I don't know, there was not enough information about this, and I needed there to be more information about this than there was. But here's mm -hmm. what I have is that it is believed that he buried a treasure on the property. 
And oh, that fun. After his wife died, people found out about this treasure, wanted to get it. The thought is that he maybe <laughs> people like broke into the house, mm-hmm. killed him. They think they may have killed him in like a closet. And then and rearranged then it up. Yeah. had it look like he hanged himself. Gotcha. The other theory is that then Ben is gonna look at me and be like, Taylor. Um, the other thought okay. is that one of the ghosts of the house, Heinrich Mahler, may have driven Park to madness and forced him to commit suicide. I don't know if I try, I don't know if I believe that. <sighs> I like the treasure theory so much more. Yeah. Um, let's just start with okay, I'm gonna make you commit suicide, but I'm gonna make you do it in the most awkward, uncomfortable way possible. With a necktie, and you're gonna tie your hands to yeah. someone goes. Okay. Yeah, there was definitely treasure. Definitely treasure. That is my thought. Yep. Definitely treasure. That's I'm what I you. think. Treasure. The house is now a private residence. But it's like so the ground the grounds are really sprawling. I looked at pictures, it's beautiful. Um, like the house is like Georgian style plantation type, very it's mm. white, it's very pretty. There's a beautiful gazebo on the grounds. So it's actually rented out often as like a wedding venue. I also want to uh, talk you, you about. Think, you think in the, in the brochure that they're, they're, they've got that information in there? Oh no, they do. Well, oh, oh. So I'm getting ready to get into that. Is like okay. I, I, I got a lot of this information from their website. <laughs> they play very heavily into the we are a haunted property. They host paranormal investigations, ghost tours. Um, they have options where people can stay the night for five hundred dollars. Like, oh god. They play very much into the haunted aspect and mm-hmm. I'm going to just, just get ready. If you have, if this is your first time listening. Oh boy. You will learn very quickly that there are great paranormal investigation shows and there are not so great paranormal investigation shows. One of the really, really good ones is a show called ghost hunters. And one of the not so great ones is a show called ghost adventures. Oh boy! Oh boy! And uh, Ghost Adventures did an episode here at the at the Black Swan Inn, and I watched and it for research purposes. For research, no, like literally for research purposes, and it made me very angry because I don't assume that ghosts are evil, and I don't assume that they're trying to hurt people, and I don't assume that they're out to get you. And Zach Bagans does, and he's very angry, and he they do a lot to, like, we're going to provoke the ghosts. And they're like, there's definitely an evil energy here. There's definitely an evil energy in this house. And and, 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 and one thing that really did, and, like, I'm going to say this, and... He wants to fight a ghost. He wants to fight a ghost real bad. Real bad. He right. And he's such a dude, bro. And he wears these ridiculous glasses, and, like... Mm-hmm. We've there's listen to our Savannah episode because I talk a lot about him <laughs> as a person. But anyway, I think that the show is really gimmicky, and I think that the show is I I think that I know that Vin is a skeptic. Yep. And I know lots of people are skeptics, and I think that it shows like Ghost Adventures that encourage that kind of like attitude of like this is ridiculous. Mm. 
because I think a lot of the times what they're doing is ridiculous. Like in this episode, they were like, we're going to try to provoke the ghosts who may have died in the battle of Salado and play sounds from a civil war reenactment. And then they like play the sounds of like cannons firing and muskets. And I'm just like, I don't know that that does anything other than like, it's entertaining for a TV show. Right. Um, and like every five seconds, they're like, what was that? What was that? Shh. Hold on, man. I hear footsteps. Like this is them playing to a yeah. Yeah. And, the and if you and like that happens sometimes on Ghost Hunters, I will say, but I think less often. Mm. They also are not automatically on Ghost Hunters, like ghosts are evil. They in this episode in particular, the woman was like, My children have had experiences but I've never let anyone talk to my children about it before. And I don't want to traumatize them. And then so put on TV. And he's like, and then he's like, can we talk to your, your kids? And she was like, I'm going to let you talk to my kids. Then he's like, there's no parents around. He's just like in a room with the kids. And the little girl's like, that sounds legitimate. And the little girl's just like in there. And she's like, the bad ghost bit me and like I don't even remember if it was biting me but it was like I woke up with bruises on my legs and I'm like mm. I don't like this at all and like I uh, maybe that's the case maybe I mean I've heard stories about people waking up with like bruises and stuff and not knowing how they got them and thinking mm. it was something paranormal it just it like this this episode in particular really got to me because I was like the I feel like we're exploiting these kids Right. And like at one point he goes like, he's talking to the little girl and he's like, are you, are you scared to be in your own house? And she's like, I am. And he was like, just remember you're strong. You're stronger oh than whatever God this sakes. is. And I just like, it irked me. I was like, leave these kids alone. Like, just go away, Zach Bagans. No one wants you. <laughs> and that kind of stuff does get on my nerves. Like sure. as a person who believes in ghosts and as a person who, Sometimes thinks that thinks that like ghosts are not. I don't think ghosts are evil. I just don't. I don't think that they are evil spirit. I think demons are evil, and I think that possessions happen. And I think that there are evil forces in the world. I don't think that all ghosts are like that, and I don't think that we should just assume that because there's a presence in a house, it's there to hurt people. <sighs> Taylor Brandon, ghost lawyer, ghost defender. <laughs> Please write that on my tomb. Um, <laughs> I just, I just do. I like. I don't think that we should automatically assume that something is bad just mm. because we don't understand it. Fair. That being said, <laughs> um, I didn't find a lot of the evidence in this episode particularly compelling. But one of the things I did find compelling was they were in the dairy barn. And it was just one guy and he was using a thermal camera. So uh -huh. to pick up heat signatures and there was a very clear figure of a person you could see like head and shoulders it looked like they were on the outside, like leaning in to look through a window. I would assume that if it had been like an actual physical person, the camera people would have seen it and been like, Hey, get off the set or whatever. Um, right. They said it wasn't any of their cameramen. There was only one person there and he was using the thermal camera and he was 
facing in a, he was like, it also like, wasn't a reflection of him because he wasn't Mm. facing it at the time. It was an interesting piece of evidence to me and he didn't catch it while he was in there. He caught it later because I think (laughs) just the way the show is set up, they'd have been like, Oh, hold on, hold on. There's a, like, had they seen it in the moment, it would have been a like Mm -hmm. big to do. So I thought that was kind of interesting. They think that it's Heinrich because he's often seen in the dairy, in the barn. Um, The other person they think is haunting. They think that Heinrich and Marie's daughter, Sarah, um, is said to still haunt the property. She lived to be an older woman, so she didn't die when she was a child, but they think that it's her. There's a child spirit who is like very playful and mm-hmm. like will jump on beds. Oh. Now another person. At least that's think, not terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cute. I think kid ghosts are pretty scary, but I kind of like ones that are like, I'm gonna go jump on the bed. Bye, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, park is thought to haunt the place. Which, if I was murdered defending my buried treasure, I'd haunt the place, too. <laughs> why was it buried? I still can't figure out why he buried it. Why does anyone do anything, Ben? <laughs> if you I had a know. treasure and you wanted to keep people away from it, what would you do with it? Don't tell me, because then I'll come steal it. I don't know. Put it in a safe. I don't know. It was the 50s. He could have done that. He could have. Also, like, wouldn't it be awesome if he was, like, the treasure the whole time was, like, love? (laughs) The treasure was the journey we had along the way. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's he's seen as, like, an angry presence. Which, again, if I was murdered, I'd be angry, too. Um, he, He is most often attributed to, like, no one's seen, like, his apparition or anything but they'll hear footsteps very loud heavy footsteps and a lot of people think that he's either trying to still defend his treasure which was never found by the way Mm -hmm. or that he is looking for his wife jolene and jolene is also said to still haunt the property she is often seen walking around the grounds in a white dress and a headband and she's often found near the gazebo, which is actually where she met Park for the first time. Okay. So kind of like lovely. That's that's kind of lovely. Yeah, nice to have a sweet ghost story. Yeah. Another one. Uh, none of these EVPs were taken during the investigation that Ghost Adventures did, but people have taken EVPs on the property. And there's one that was pretty compelling. That was a deep, a very deep male voice shouting, get out. Okay. So that's all I have on the Black Swan Inn. It's an interesting place. I don't know that I would ever go, but. You know, I don't know either. And I think like some of the haunting, I think I'd be more invested in the hauntings and more interested in learning more about it if it weren't so like commercialized yeah yeah it's very corporate isn't it like i'm sorry how like i looked at the prices and like the ghost tours are like go up to 85 dollars per person for a ghost tour and they've they invited because like the way it works with ghost 
plays like ghost shows, like ghost hunters, ghost mm-hmm. adventures. Like they have to be invited to that place. Right. Which is why ghost hunters have never actually, um, and I know more about ghost hunters than I do ghost adventures, but um, ghost hunters actually, the they came and spoke when my cousin was in college at William and Mary, they've mm-hmm. never actually been invited to do any investigations anywhere in Williamsburg because Williamsburg is like, no, we're fine. We don't need you to do this. <laughs> Fair. Like they've wanted to do Williamsburg, but they've never been invited. And so the college invited them to do this talk, but they weren't even allowed to do like an investigation in the, on the campus. So you have to be invited. So like, this is a private residence where they hold like weddings. Right. And they were like, come on down to haunted village. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on down. We got ghosts. And then (laughs) Zach Bagans was like, it's a demon. And um, so I'm not usually the skeptic, but today I'm I'm a little bit of a skeptic. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I have some feelings about it. And I don't like Zach Bagans. You know how you feel about mm-hmm. Tucson? Yeah, just like that. I, that's how I feel about <laughs> Zach Bagans. Wouldn't it be funny if he's from Tucson? Oh, that would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Can you look him up? What's How do you spell his last name? B-A-G-A-N-S. Also, doesn't he look like a douche? Yeah. Where's he from? From Born in D.C. and raised in Glen Allen, Illinois. Born in D.C.? Yeah, in a suburb, raised in a suburb of Chicago. Okay. Well, he's not from. <laughs> he's not from Arizona. No, no, he's not. But he does have a museum, I think, in Las Vegas. Oh no! Oh dear! That you can go to, and it has haunted artifacts. I don't think so. I will stay here. No, thank you. I'm now going to talk about the story that I'm very excited about and have been excited about all day. But at first, I'm going to set a scene for you, Ben. Okay. Okay. Go so, on. It's late at night. I feel like I'm doing ASMR right now. Um, yes. <laughs> it's late at night. No. Um, <clears throat> you're walking around near a river. And you think you hear someone screaming, but you just shrug it off because you're a skeptic. You're like, what? It, yeah. If it's, it's just owls or something, whatever. Right. You keep walking. You think you see a woman crouched by the river. She's wearing all white. and like. Oh, God. It's a woman in the color. She has long black mm. hair that's wet and and dripping and hanging down by her face her face you can't see her face and she's weeping and crying and screaming out for her children and she turns to you and you die no you don't die this is the story (laughs) of la llorona (laughs) she looks just from the picture you painted it sounds like the the girl from the ring i kind of so i don't think we've done this before where we've done like an urban legend yeah, I think I think this is a new this one. This is our us. first one. So we have La Llorona or the Weeping Woman. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of variations to the tale of La Llorona, but essentially there's always this that she is a woman and in a moment of grief or anger, 
she goes to the river and she drowns her children. And then she's forced to walk along the riverbanks forever searching for her dead children. She's usually portrayed as being a wailing or weeping woman. And she is a bad omen. I mean, she's an omen of death or war. <laughs> like, great, to not be great things. <laughs> I'm not going to see them go for lottery tickets. Like, <laughs> so like I said, there's a lot of variations. Um, sometimes she drowns her children because she's found out that her husband is cheating on her. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she's the one who's cheating. There's one story in particular I found very interesting, which was there was a set of twins and they were so identical that the priest accidentally baptized the same twin twice. And so the other twin was just left unbaptized and like led her whole life. And she's like filled with anger. And she had two kids, a son and a daughter. And just like, she's angry all the time. And she was like, I'm just going to drown them. So she went and killed her kids. And that makes sense. That tracks. And when she died, she like got up to heaven and they were like, Hey lady, a, you're unbaptized B you you killed your kids. kids. You can just spend the rest of your life wandering the riverbanks looking for your kids. As I said, in my little story setup, she's often described as having long, wet, dark hair Mm. and, and in a white dress. And she's often wailing and screaming. La Llorona. Like I said, she's she's an omen of bad shit. <laughs> you don't want to come across her. But there is a San Antonio-specific La Llorona legend associated with the appropriately named Hollerin, Hollerin Woman Creek. Um, it's said that a pioneer family lived on the banks of the creek and they were attacked by Native Americans. The woman saw her husband get brutally murdered and to like, quote unquote, save her children from a terrible fight fate. She like takes them to the creek and drowns them. Oh, and yeah. So it's like, she was like, it's better than you being scalped or whatever. I don't know. I know that was a very racist thing I just said, and I may edit it out. (laughs) It's kind of a racist story though. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. The, the, the Native Americans like follow them to the creek. They see the kids are dead mm. and she just starts screaming and they're so terrified that they leave. Oh, okay. Um, right, there you go. And it said ever since then, people have, have reported hearing the wailing of a weeping woman. Um, and some people have said that they've seen her spirit in a white dress still wandering. So it's, you know, clearly this myth is pretty pervasive Right. Um, where does it come from? Because myths usually come from places. It's got a banshee-ish vibe to it. I'ma get there. Okay. I'ma okay, get there. Stay with me. So I'm with you. <laughs> this is okay. So the they actually have tied the story of La Llorona to several Aztec goddesses, and I'm Ooh. going to butcher these names. I just know I am, and I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. So the first one is Cuyacotl. Okay. Or Snake Woman. Um, she's described as a savage beast. Um, it said that she appears in a white dress and is often heard weeping or wailing in the middle of the night. And people believe that she was an omen of war. Oh, wow. Yeah. The other one is Cotlacue. 
Coat like you. I'm doing my best here. Coat like okay. you. Um, I I do not know anything about the Aztec gods. I don't either, and I'm very sorry. It, it, hey, if you guys know how to say this better than I'm saying it, tell me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, she's also known as she of the snaky shirt. Gotta be careful of those ladies with snaky shirts. I tell you what. What does that, um, what does that mean? The... Her shirt is made of snakes, Ben? Come on. That sounds like un- that sounds uncomfortable. She's <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. If they're if they're nice. I don't know. You can buy snakeskin stuff, I suppose. I guess. Um, she's the mom of the god of war. Okay. Um, she said to Lovely. look she said to look like something that came directly from hell, with her face completely black from dirt and grime. It said that she sits awesome. and waits for her son to return from war, weeping and wailing for him to come home. I don't know how to begin to pronounce this last one. Okay. So I'll just tell you that she's known as the Jade Skirted One. Do you want to look at this one. name? Because you have sure. the notes. Yeah, I'll take a look. So it's number six, um, section C, under La Llorona. Chalchi. Okay. Sure. I'll go with it. Sounds like anything better than I just said. I'm going with the jade skirted one. I mean, that's all yeah, right. Yeah, the jade skirted one. She is yeah. the goddess of the waters. Yeah, green dress lady. Cool. And she is said, yeah, she is said to um, drown people and overturn boats. And ceremonies that's... in her honor often included child sacrifice. And this is kind of awful. This is kind of awful. But we know Aztec was a pretty, like the Aztecs were a pretty brutal culture. Um, It said that the children were actually taken from their mothers uh, in a pretty brutal fashion. And the louder the children cried, the more successful the ritual. Oh, great. That's that's real great. Yeah. La Llorona is also often associated with La Malinche. Okay. She was a native woman who became the translator and lover of Hernan Cortez. Okay. The couple had two children together, and it's said that when Cortez decided to return to Spain, he wanted to bring his two sons along, but not her. Oh, great. And in her fury, and, you know, she wanted to be left behind, and she didn't want her children taken from her, so she took them to the river and killed them. But... I'm going to give a caveat here. I'm going to give a caveat. As with most things, there's some historical haziness to this particular account. Um, (laughs) Historians agree that La La Malinche was an interpreter and political advisor to Cortez. And the two did have a son together. But she actually married a Spanish Hidalgo by the name of Juan Jeremio. Okay. Um, and they had a daughter. It said that Cortez's son with La Malinche did return to Spain with Cortez and was raised by a Spanish family. Not much else is known about her life. So okay. not clear. She did not kill her children. Okay. But I guess I'm relieved. <laughs> me too. But I am, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I am a very big fan of Joseph Campbell. Hmm. And I can sniff out an archetype like it's nobody's business. And so can you, because you were like, hey, she sounds a lot like a banshee. Yeah. And before that, before I even started, you were like, hey, she sounds like a woman in a color. 
Mm-hmm. And what do women in color typically have? Tragic backstories. Oh, don't they? So yeah, she's banshees in Ireland are typically portrayed as screaming or wailing women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and her presence is said to herald the death of a loved one. So she's like a bad omen. There are the myths of the white women in German and Slavic culture, which are also very similar. And also the story itself of like, particularly La Malinche of this like foreign woman who after being betrayed by her lover um, Mm -hmm. decides to kill her children. If that sounds familiar to you, then congratulations, you've read Medea. Like, um, (laughs) so this, this is an archetype that pops up a lot in, in, in right. culture. and I don't know what it says about us as a culture and a society, but a lot of people have this like wailing woman, woman in white, woman who's been betrayed. Yeah, um, kind of a thing. Kind of a thing. Often associated with like killing her children, like this whole thing of like, is that the worst thing a woman can do? Like, I, I'm not saying it's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess the disregard is sort of an ultimate sin sort of thing. Yeah. So you're punished for it. And, um, you know, I wanted to give one more San Antonio story um, to bring it back to why we are talking about this. And and this is a true story. Now, this is a true story. So in 1986, a woman who lived in the Blue Bayou region near so there's like a bayou near san antonio called the buffalo bayou i said blue bayou because mm-hmm. i really like the song blue bayou um <laughs> but it's buffalo bayou and i just can't read um <laughs> we'll let it slide anyway we'll let it slide. this woman by the name of juana leha she is a she was a mexican woman who immigrated to the u.s and married mm-hmm. a man and she claims that she was abused by her husband for years and years And so finally, one day she was like fed up with it and took her seven children to the river, uh, to the bayou. Um, She threw six of the children into the river. Unfortunately, two of them died before rescuers got onto the scene and they were able to to rescue the rest of the children. So only two of her children actually perished. She professed her innocence, saying that she had no choice because of the abuse that she sustained from her husband. Um, and he was very violent and abusive towards her and the kids. She also made another very interesting claim that police officers found very odd, but she actually claimed to be La Llorona. Like in the court report, she claimed to be La Llorona. Okay. So this, this is a pretty pervasive myth and particularly in the San Antonio area. So Mm -hmm. That is what I have. I was very excited about La Llorona. I'm really glad I got to talk about her. She sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm? Don't want to meet up with her in the middle of the night, but... No, thank you. <laughs> but I do I do enjoy sort of... I like myths like that. And I, I, you know... Right. I think it's cool to do an urban legend. We haven't really done one. I, I think we will end up doing more. I, I think you're this, right. By just by the nature of some of these cities, some of these locations may not be old enough to have sort of real native ghost culture or sort of yeah. that paranormal culture yet. So we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. all I have. So Alrighty. what do you cool, think? Cool, cool. I'm really interested more, interestingly, more in uh, 
Verona than like the actual ghost stuff, which is kind of neat because I thought San Antonio would have more sort of older stuff, and it's kind of interesting that there wasn't too much. Yeah, I mean there. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I did a lot of research mm-hmm. into things, and and I think part of it too is like I wanted something that gripped me, something I right. found really interesting. And for me, it was La Llorona was the thing that right. really interested me the most in all the stories that I was reading. And I saw, you know, all kinds of different stories, different haunted places. There are haunted railroad tracks and sure. the Alamo and I think it like a haunted theater and a haunted church and these things that kept popping up again and again. Mm. But, but, we, and, but other cities, we've covered most of those already. Yeah. So it's nice to take a different approach. Yeah. So, so I wanted to I'm do something a little different. And I think... You know, there are people who still think that they've seen La Llorona. Like, I mean, this isn't, it's a myth and it's a fun, you know, urban legend, but there are people who say that they have seen La Llorona, um, have heard La Llorona, have, you know, and it's a, it's a myth that stretches into Mexico even and in Southern Texas. And so it's sort of this, you know, I think one of the truly like North American, you know, we don't have banshees and we don't have, you know, in Ireland, they have fairies and and in Scotland, all sorts of mythology. And we don't really have that in North America so much. I think we have Bigfoot. There's probably a fair amount in like on like the Native American side that we just, yeah. That, that you know, A, we don't know about because, well, that's like, it's pretty well suppressed in our culture, but you know, it's there. It just we just kind of have to hunt for it and really explore it. There is, I think, if we do, there's um, there's an area in uh, Massachusetts called the Bridgewater mm. Triangle that I would like to do an episode on. Okay. Um, down the line, that has some interesting Native American uh, mythology tied to it. Sure. There we go. Bye. All right. Yeah, that's what I have. Um, and I was really excited to get to talk about Joseph Campbell. Yeah, good. I'm glad. <laughs> if you glad. haven't read it, if you haven't read Joseph Campbell or or you know, if you are interested in mythology and sort of digging deeper into it, um, yeah. he has a ton of books that you can read. I really like The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I had to read it in 11th grade English class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one of the books that has stuck with me the longest and that I've used the most. I can't remember if I've actually read anything by Joseph Campbell, but the name is really familiar. So So the hero with a thousand faces is basically what launched Star Wars. Okay. George Lucas wrote, Mm -hmm. read, read hero with a thousand faces, Mm -hmm. which is about um, archetypes. It's about, the figures that appear over and over again, it's about the, particularly the hero's journey and sort of the journey that a hero takes and how it is the same, the locations might change, but it is basically the same path that in every culture, right? you see it again and again. And so it kind of breaks down the hero's journey. And that's what inspired George Lucas to write Star Wars. Neat. He created... A hero's journey in space. All right. Time to read a hero's journey. 
Yeah. Yep. Read, read the hero with a thousand faces. It's very good. Um, I think on Netflix, you can watch the power of myth, which is yep. Joseph Campbell sat down with, um, Bill Moyers in the like eighties and they mm -hmm. kind of each episode is a part of the hero's journey. Okay. But there you go. That's your assignment listeners. That's your assignment. It's really fun. I know it doesn't sound fun. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, if you don't want to read it, I do watch, I do recommend the power of myth. Okay. Bill Moyers. It's very interesting to watch. If you That's like mythology, homework, if you like La Llorona, and then you liked hearing about how La Llorona pops up in basically every culture just under a different name. Yeah. You'll like, you'll like Joseph Campbell. I love it. Yeah. Let's do it, everyone. We could be a little nerdy. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, that's this week's episode, everybody. Uh-huh. Our intro and outro music is New Wave by Billy Neptune. Please, please, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Podcast Westless. Give us a shout if you have any ideas for the show, any drink requests, recommendations. You can always also email us at restlessspiritspodcast at gmail.com. And please do that. We would love to hear your stories. Yes, please. I mean, especially if you're from Tucson. Oh, God. <laughs> or if you're Zach Bacons and you run right in. <laughs> yeah, this will really inspire him. <laughs> can we get a defamation suit from <laughs> I mean, like they they were really mean to me <laughs> that redheaded one she said some really awful things about me i swear anyway um be sure to tune in next week where we will um talk more shit about tucson and probably anyway you can follow us on our social media we are we'll post pictures we used to post clues and stuff i don't think we're really doing that because we give away what we're doing like in every episode we pretty much um, do don't we we really do but thank you for listening um please subscribe and review reviews really help to make sure that people can see our podcast um and find you know if you like what you're you're hearing and you like what we're doing drop us a line i mean or tell someone to listen to us yes, if you please. think they would like it um you know Word of mouth is really powerful with these things and mm. we love doing this and I think we'd love to keep doing it and we need viewers for that. Yes, please. Listeners. Yeah, Glad viewers, listeners, you know. <laughs> I work in TV. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we want listeners. We want you guys to, to keep yes. tuning in. Um, and on that note, I think we'll leave it with... Mm -hmm. How are we going to do this? We've, we're, we've got to get better because we usually do this in person. Okay, mm -hmm. one, two, three. three. Keep, Keep it, it spooky. spooky. And fuck you, Tucson. Fuck you, Zach Bagans. <laughs>